Hi everyone and welcome to the Brainscape episode on loneliness. My name's Amelia Hilton and I am in level two psychology and I'm here today with... My name is Abel Kessler, I'm in uh, level one psychology. My name's Nefeli Lambrou, I'm in level three psychology. Thank you for coming guys. We've had a bit of a long setup today so we're going to get straight into the icebreaker question which is on a very cheery note what makes you feel lonely and what is your loneliness remedy so I guess something that makes me or made me feel lonely when I first came to uni was being ill without my parents being there to come in and check on me and bring me food so recently I had tonsillitis and I went and (laughs) bought myself all the foods that my parents would have brought me which was kind of made me feel lonely but also feel a bit better what about you both well i personally um so i have lived apart from my family before but i never actually lived alone as i shared the room with my brother so i always had uh, at least a minimal noise yeah (laughs) uh so when i came here um living alone the silence made me feel very very lonely um So basically how I cope with it, I just put on something or um, I'll call someone or just invite anybody over. (laughs) Um, For me, it's more um, having this connection between a certain activity and a person I used to do it with before I came to university. So, for example, I would make coffee with my dad. So that's something whenever I make coffee, it's like I miss my dad. So that makes me feel more lonely. The same with shopping, for example, if you shop usually with your friends, you're like, and then you suddenly have to do it alone. And it's just, does this suit me? Blah, blah, blah. And then how I cope with it, I'm not sure, to be honest, but I think a distraction of sorts, like a movie or a night out with my current friends, that's good enough, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I found it difficult when I first came to uni feeling like I couldn't call my friends from home to kind of, bother isn't the right word, but bother them about the sort of negative feelings I was feeling. And I felt that especially in the first term of first year, I wasn't close enough to anyone to talk to them in that way. So it was quite nerve wracking, but I sent my friend a message saying, I'd really appreciate a cuppa and a hug if you're free. Don't worry if you're busy. And she came around and gave you a hug so. I feel like loneliness is more like in your head in the sense that you feel that no one will understand mm. it's not that you're physically alone yeah it's you feel like no one will understand how you're feeling so you feel more lonely which is a vicious cycle I guess yeah, yeah. sort of segregate yourself from the outside world yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Shall we uh, go into our speedy studies? <coughs> so in this first half of the loneliness episode, we're going to be talking about young people, which I think we all took to be sort of university-aged-ish, mm-hmm. but that doesn't apply to speedy studies because they stretch over both episodes. Yes. So would anyone like to go first? I could do that. Yeah? Um, so what was your speedy study about? My speedy study was about the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really big thing now as because... Social media um, has made it more easy to see the opportunities that you might be missing. So mm-hmm. it, it can have a dual effect. So it's going to be like, oh, there's so many things I could be doing, interactions. 
oh yeah, I can go to that club that night, I can go to that social, and then you go and you feel better. But sometimes there's just too many options because that's how social media works. Yeah. And you can't even pursue them, even financially or time-wise. So that, yeah. So the authors of this study in wait, 20- wait, wait, we, we've oh, got to set up the timer before you start. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is the tune that will be played when you reach your time. <clears throat> <laughs> not too bad. Great. Yeah, so uh, it's not as abrasive as some, as some of the other ones last week, yeah. or last month, sorry, we had the Psycho theme tune, which no was one. quite intense. Oh, God. So are you ready to... Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, go. So this study in 2013, the authors defined uh, fear of missing out as the desire to stay continually connected with others, what others are good at doing. So it's basically the fear that others might be having more rewarding experiences that, than you. Um, so they attempted to operationalize fear of missing out because it's just a concept. They had to make it work work in a, an empirical sense. So they did three studies. The first one was to create, they tried to create a scale. It was the first study to create a FOMO scale. Okay. Um, so basically they came up with 30, they tested 32 existing views of the phenomenon and then they narrowed it down to 10 items which mm, accurately reflected interperson variability and the scale was sensitive to low, moderate and high levels of fear missing out. That's the first study. Then for the second study this they investigated <laughs> wow. Oh no. So Hi, you can keep going. Okay. <laughs> Fear missing out in society. Uh, they basically recruited a large cohort of um, demographics and motivational well-being factors, which would be related to fear of missing out. One of them, the main one they investigated was social media engagement. So basically what they found was that fear of missing out played key, a very key role in explaining like how much social media usage was going on Mm. and it almost it was mediating this link Mm -hmm. over and above the other factors so the other factors would be psychological need satisfaction which if you scored low on this one it predicted higher fear of missing out and the same thing with overall life satisfaction and general mood okay so So, social media use was more of a mediating factor yes okay but overall, like the life satisfaction and need satisfaction was low in people with high fear of missing out. Okay. And then uh, the third one, uh, they examined behavioral and emotional correlates to fear of missing out in young adults. So high fear of missing out was more often used, um, linked with higher FB, uh, Facebook usage okay. after waking up. So you were uh, more likely to wake yeah. up. Okay. So you were more likely to wake up and check your f- Facebook if you had scored high on the F O M O scale. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So they uh, has that. Do you have any idea? I know it, uh, whether that's been used in other studies. The measure. Or? I've actually no idea, but it was like in 2013. So I suppose yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys feel you experience FOMO when you go on social media? Actually, it's funny. So before. I came to uni, I never experienced FOMO, but uh, since I've been here, 
I've sort of tried, I've been trying to get over that, but I, I always looked at people doing mm. this and that on univer- during their university time, mm. especially during Freshers' Week when I was like, but yeah. Um, for me, I have huge FOMO actually <laughs> all the time. I don't know why. I constantly feel like, oh, I should be having my fun. I should be, oh, not just fun, maybe uh, things like internships and people having their lives together. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I usually have it more like that at all time high during summertime because everyone is having fun, supposedly, quote unquote. So, yeah, that's for me. I think I find it really difficult. I have to tell myself when I go through Instagram, for example, because that's very visual. I find that difficult because you literally see people having yeah, fun. Exactly. I have to try and remind myself that that is the total of all of the fun that all of the people I follow are having. <laughs> exactly. It's not one person, even though it feels mm. kind of like you're the only one not doing stuff. Yeah. It overwhelms you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you want to go next on your speedy study or I can? I sure, know. I could go next. Yeah, yeah, sure. So what was your speedy study about? Um, so I went uh, a little um, older. <laughs> so I basically uh, looked at the um, uh, uh, looked at a study from 2011 uh, that is on the effects of playing Wii on uh, on well-being in the el- elderly. Uh, I, s- I saw that on one. Their, so yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on their physical activity, loneliness, and, and their mood. Okay. Are you ready for the timer? Go. Can I get in the zone? Three, two, one, go. All right, so um, research party uh, selected 28 participants uh, to be in their study. Uh, all of them were um, asked to fill out um, uh, a uh, all of them were tested beforehand, measuring uh, first on the UCLA loneliness scale mm. and then on the positive and negative effect uh, scale, or PANAS. And uh, basically, the 28 of them were all randomly assigned to either playing Wii or uh, watching television. Mm-hmm. And both um, uh, groups were assigned a research assistant to participate with them uh, throughout the 10-week period. Uh, and also seven people were additionally, um, <clears throat> they were sort of the no-visit controls. Okay. So neither of them uh, had anyone assigned to them. And these partic- participants basically were just, uh, uh, they were serving as a baseline. And... Uh, Hello. God, <laughs> <laughs> Too much us. No, it's all right. I feel like Amelia is only the only one that's not going to be... I've yeah. never done it under the one really? minute, ever. Okay. So don't you worry about it at all. Makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, that keep, was a little bit. Keep telling us about the way. Well, either way. <laughs> <laughs> so after the 10-week period, they were tested once more. And what they got was that all the participants who were actually playing V, they, report, they reported much, much lower levels of loneliness than the ones um, just watching television with their partners. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it also predicted that individuals playing the Wii uh, with a social partner uh, would have greater physical activities, uh, much more p- positive mood and lower negative smo- uh, mood swings mm-hmm. than the people who are just watching uh, uh, television. Mm. And, um, and actually people who were watching television with a partner uh, had reported to be more lonely in the middle of the... Uh, uh, of the research. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I love the way. I, I feel used like to the Wii so is gonna much. be a very smart introduction into old people's homes mm. um, because you can have fun but safely. <laughs> it's a lot more active engagement than yes. just watching TV is, and I guess yeah. you know that you are yeah. actually competing or playing yes. with the other players. Mm-hmm. Whereas Definitely. when you're TV watching TV, sorry, yeah. you could basically just be watching it by yourself yeah basically um a part of going growing old is definitely um a fear of of getting hurt because physically you're not able to do the things that you were before Mm -hmm. so you have a fear of that so again as you said uh we is a a safe way to to ride a horse play Mm -hmm. bowling i've never thought of that it's very smart yeah what were your favorite wii games or if you had a way i did i i played bowling I played a lot of bowling, and incidentally, every single one of the uh, participants in the study chose bowling. (laughs) I really liked the the box one, like Mm -hmm. the boxing. Yeah, the boxing one. Uh, It really released all the stress, Mm. the adrenaline. I used to love just dance. Oh, that's good. I think it really helped my dancing actually and my coordination Mm. as I was growing up because I used to spend hours playing. I loved the boxing as well, but I always got beat, so I just stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so it's my time for speedy studies, and you're going to see probably okay. that I never managed to get it under uh, a minute. You so can try. I yeah. looked at a study done by the BBC. They called it the loneliness experiment, and my question was: Is there a loneliness epidemic in the modern world? So I'll start the timer in three, two, one. So. BBC's The Lonely Experiment was a survey of over 55,000 people which explored loneliness in people aged 16 and over in the UK in 2018. And according to the survey, only a third of people believe that loneliness is actually about physically being on your own and is more about feeling disconnected from the world, like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. Nefeli, and feeling that you don't have people in your life that truly understand you or what you're feeling. 16 to 24-year-olds experience lonely more often and more intensely than any other age group which, in a weird way, I found quite comforting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40% of the respondents aged 16 to 24 reported feeling lonely often or very often. People of all ages who feel discriminated against, either due to their ethnicity or sexual preference, are more likely to feel lonely. So that is a good point on how ostracism is, can yet again negatively affect people. People of any age who feel lonely score higher than average on empathy, which I found really interesting and are able to recognise facial expressions just as well as non-lonely people, so it doesn't affect your social skills. And I'm over. Right, I'll keep going. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go. uh, People who feel lonely have more online-only Facebook friends, so lonely people are more likely to accept people they don't know Mm -hmm. on Facebook. People said that dating is the least helpful suggestion suggested often by people when they're feeling lonely because that, again, sometimes can make you feel more lonely if you have a series of bad dates. Uh, 41% of people think loneliness can sometimes be a positive experience. People with high scores of loneliness appear to have higher anxiety and lower trust in others, which could be a vicious cycle because they may feel anxious about going out and seeking social contact from others and may show less trust to people they don't know or mm-hmm. trust that people will like them less and that kind of thing. So, yeah, there is apparently a loneliness epidemic and people are age, according to this survey. I feel like <clears throat> when these studies come out and they say, oh, there's an epidemic, fair, there is. But then 
maybe it was worse like back in the mm-hmm. day but no one actually measured something so we would never know if it's worse now than 50 years ago yeah but like it's I feel like as people like the population I don't know how many people in the world like 7 billion like that's a lot yeah <laughs> and we still feel lonely so yeah. that's very sad if you ask me yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, I read a couple of older studies and all of them reported, uh, basically all of them mentioned that it was not socially acceptable to talk about being lonely and therefore people got even more lonely. Yeah, yeah. but we're talking about it today, guys. Yay. So. <laughs> Shall we move on to the next section, which is... World Wide Web. Uh, so <laughs> okay. we're going to be looking at whether the internet affects feelings of loneliness, how it can hinder and help loneliness. But first, I think, Nafeli, you looked at psychological definitions and measurements of loneliness. Yes, I did. And <clears throat> despite the fact that I would say loneliness, as I said before, is in your head in the sense that you feel that you can't talk to someone and they would understand... The Office for National Statistics defined loneliness as the subjective unwelcome feeling of lack or loss of companionship. It happens when we have a mismatch between the quantity and quality of social relationships that we have and those that we want. So that was how they defined it. Mm. And then there's three popular scales for measuring loneliness. The one that you mentioned in your speedy study um, UCLA loneliness scale is the most popular one. It has good face validity and inter-item correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, like eighty percent of loneliness researchers use it, so it's Must pretty popular. Well done, UCLA. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right? But the thing is that it doesn't prov- it does provide a common instrument to measure loneliness, mm-hmm. but it's very non unidimensional so it has it's a multi-dimensional <laughs> so there's um, a lot of things to consider when yes you and it doesn't provide a good explanation for loneliness so people use it and then they come to different conclusions okay so that's one of the things that may may be a downside for that mm-hmm. and it also appraises feelings of friendship among young adult population that's in contrast to the second scale which is called the loneliness deprivation scale, okay. which is which basically it's a, it assesses deeper and more existential feelings of sorrow and loneliness. Okay, it's kind of more intense, I would say. It's a nine-item scale. Um, it's supposed to measure the intensity and deprivation feelings concerning relationship with others, and this is more unidimensional. Like you can see that it's more due to lack of friendship and the emptiness and the abandonment a lonely person might feel like. And the third scale is called the emotional slash social loneliness inventory. It's a 30-item scale, 15 for emotional, 15 for social isolation. Um, Basically, if you're empirically testing social and emotional things, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. But they're very strongly related, as I was going to say. So it may be better to use UCLA scale, for example, 
because social and emotional <clears throat> may directly influence each other. Okay. So, so it's difficult to separate them out in the way that yes, the third one yeah. does. But overall, this this was from a paper, by the way. They compared all these three scales. Okay. 1992. And they overall said that the UCLA scale is highly reliable because it's invariant across genders. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's a more good fit model to assess loneliness. That makes sense. I mean, it sounds like it's the yeah. most popular one, so it yeah. must have a few strengths if 80% of people are Most definitely, yeah. yeah. I feel like if they added more items to more deep and existential feelings, they would be a full scale mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's different. I mean, one measure, it's hard to make one measure do everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The majority of the studies I've looked at, they they all had the UCLA mm. measurements. Mm. I feel like long, it's stuff like that you can't really <laughs> measure very 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 accurately it's well it's so subjective isn't it it's really difficult because yeah. what one person what make what may make one person feel lonely could mm. be completely different and kind of yeah. relaxing or a sense of serenity yeah, that's, else. that's where qualitative comes in mm. but sometimes you just need to listen fully to a person's story and then draw some conclusions but obviously you can't generalize so yeah nice mm-hmm I looked at whether social media makes people feel lonelier, and I think you looked at whether it helps connect people. Yeah. So, shall I go first, and then you can yeah, give no. a more uplifting. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, so, I found Ofcom, who are in control of TV in the UK, in 2018, said the average amount of time spent online on a smartphone is two hours and 28 minutes a day. This rises to three hours and 14 minutes among 18 to 24 year olds. So obviously we're spending rather a lot of time on social media. So <laughs> if it does make us lonelier, it will be making us feel it's quite a, lonely. It's a bit concerning that my phone says that I use social media five hours a day. Wow. That if is, the average is three. Yeah, five hours is quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so Hunt in 2018 did a study which examined the impact of intentionally reducing social media and they looked at 143 undergraduates and they found that students who limited their use of Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat to 30 minutes a day during the three-week study had significant reductions in loneliness and depression mm. as compared to a control group that made no changes to their social media diet. So that is just one study, but it seems that reducing <laughs> or at least limiting your amount of social media use could help decrease loneliness. There was also a positive side effect of increased self-monitoring. So students found that after doing this study, they were able to notice when they weren't focusing as much Mm. and be more aware of their behaviour and unhelpful behaviours that they were performing, which is a good side effect. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going to really mess up these names, but... (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Dasuka Hu Wang Yang et al. in 2016 looked at 256 university students in the UK and they found real-life social interaction was negatively associated with excessive use of Twitter. And this relationship was mediated by loneliness. So people who spend an excessive amount of time, and they do say excessive, so it's not any use of Twitter, but an excessive amount of time on Twitter found... um, they were feeling more lonely and that then led to them having less time in real social interaction situations. And then finally, Ryan Allen Gray 
and McInerney in 2017 did a review of 12 studies and they found that social media site users may experience weakening friendships in real life, may experience online ostracism, which, as we learned from the loneliness study, made people feel lonelier, and heightened loneliness. And the authors argue that the use of social media has contradictory effects on social connectedness. So it's the classic line, which people like to use in journalism, is it's meant to be social media, but it's making us less social. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay, boomer. <laughs> um, Very up to date. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I needed to say that. And they mentioned a paper from... <laughs> Stepanikova, Ni and He in 2010, which found that people who spent a lot of time online communicating felt lonelier than those who spent less or no time online. And one by Turkle in 2011, which argues that connecting with people over the internet only gives us the perception of friendship. Even though we are in contact, we still remain physically alone. Well, that's grim. Yeah. But um. your turn. <laughs> it didn't sound very good. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so mine may not be as convincing as yours, Amelia. That is just because I can't express myself as well as you, but the uh, research I found, uh, I did find a lot of them. Um, so basically, uh, a lot of them mentioned the uh, Your Speedy study. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically that 48% of British adults believe that people in the UK are getting lonelier, and 45% actually reported that they felt uh, depressed uh, and lonely at some of the, at some point in their lives. And basically, okay, so I found that image-based media in particular could actually reduce the sense of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that is amongst the age group of 18 to 34, um, i.e. young adults. And also that sort of depends on how we use social media. Um, if, If we are seeking information and if we're mainly seeking information, then uh, we would be t- using Twitter. Mm-hmm. And as you said, uh, people who are using Twitter excessively, they may, f- may feel lonelier. And it uh, wasn't found true by our study, but it said that uh, Twitter in itself did not affect loneliness uh, because it is a text-based okay. uh, media platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who were actually... Um, okay, so people who did not use uh, Snapchat or Instagram mm-hmm. before and were put into the study, um, reported, uh, were reported that they all, well, they were looking for the gratification of intimacy or social bonding, and they, were, they reported quite lonely before the study, and the conclusion was that the people who are going from uh, zero usage in Snapchat and Instagram, uh, their, lonely, their level of loneliness went way down, uh, and their... Um, their satisfaction life uh, with with life level went way up with the happiness level as well uh, because they felt that basically looking at pictures uh, that was that was very connecting to them mm-hmm. and also with snapchat that is where you can basically send real life real-time pictures mm-hmm. uh, they all felt very connected to their friends uh, once again and uh, yeah Facebook was also mentioned in the study, but as that is text-based and uh, image-based as well, uh, couldn't qu- quite paint, uh, pace, uh, place it. Uh, but uh, lonely individuals were actually found uh, uh, more likely in particular to share um, pictures or just mm-hmm. live updates on Facebook mm-hmm. as they were looking for, for valid for um, Validation. Validation. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's really interesting. I do as well wonder how many of these studies look at the way... I know personally for Facebook, I share a lot of events. And (laughs) even though I don't know whether that's just me, but people will contact me saying, I was thinking of going to this event. Are you also thinking of going? And then that is one way which I think is quite a unique interaction because Mm. it would be difficult to know otherwise what else people were going to so that it can kind of it not itself connect people but give people tools to -hmm. connect and meet up in real life through common interests i don't know if you guys have the same experience i feel like if you overuse anything in life or Mm. misuse anything it will have a bad effect on you um so if if you're in a bad place and you overuse Instagram, Facebook, all these things, it's bound to make you feel worse. Mm. Obviously, because it's a what's the word over consuming? Like you keep scrolling and scrolling, it just never ends. Yeah, yeah. you always just refresh, refresh. Yes. This is like tapping into our reward, reward, instant reward, and the likes mm. and. So if you are feeling depressed, if you are feeling lonely and you go and watch every person you know put on their highlights on Insta stories, oh, we went there, we went there. Obviously, it's going to make you feel worse. Yeah. Now, I'm not entirely sure if the use can cause feeling correlated or or if it's just correlated i think we were talking about this when we were planning the episode all of us saying that Mm. although obviously we're not experts and we haven't done the research into the psychological effects of social media we felt that maybe it was more like a tool that allows people to feed desires and feelings that they already have and because it constantly supplies content Mm -hmm. it can be used in a negative way Mm -hmm. and it is a thing that exploits already existing loneliness exactly. and psychological issues within itself. It's not necessarily a, a cause, mm. but yeah, that's. I think that's what bugs most people is that it uses our already existing needs. That's yeah. what they say. That's like, oh, they're bad. Social media is bad. I think it's because it exploits them in a way that they don't like to be exploited. Yeah. yeah. It, putting myself in, by the way, it's not. I'm not excluding, <laughs> but it's. I feel like if, for example, body image, especially in uh, Instagram, it's if you already feel bad about your body and then you see M. Rata post a picture and it's just worse. Yeah. But, yeah, this causation thing, I'm not sure, obviously. That, that does make sense. I mean, the um, for example, in my study, people were reporting very lonely uh, beforehand and their media, you know, social media usage was on a zero. Mm. Uh, so that basically meant that they were looking for uh, gratification as mm. in information seeking or status seeking or basically just socializing yeah. uh, in any way, shape or form. And then when they went from zero to 100 on social media usage in Snapchat and in Instagram, uh, they did feel uh, feel much, much more connected. This section is called Coming to Uni. So we're going to be looking at studies that explore some of the things we experienced that made us feel lonely or things that we think commonly make people feel lonely. Um, I guess I'll start. So I looked at a 
post by St Andrews University actually about common reasons they've found this isn't a study but it's Mm -hmm. things that students have reported to them that make them feel lonely which I found quite interesting in a survey yeah like within university survey so Mm -hmm. That people are away from friends and family. It may be the first time in years, maybe even since primary school. One has had to start from scratch making friends. You might miss your old friends and find it hard to replace them because you've already established some support system and rapport that you could, in the past, easily fall back to. You may have high expectations of university as a place where you will meet lots of new and interesting people, which I definitely found to be true. Mm-hmm. And I did meet lots of new and interesting people, but it's I think I had impossible expectations yeah which made me feel a bit lonely in the beginning uh you may have a relationship with someone at home and because of that feel torn between your social life here and there that is both friendship wise family wise and romantic relationship wise you may be anxious about your studies and worried about getting the balance between study and social right which puts some people off because they think there's not much point in me investing much time in my social relationships because I'm here to study sometimes the other way around happens <laughs> but yeah I thought that was interesting that they were aware of that and they had that on their website which I thought was pretty good because if you were feeling those things and then saw on the website oh other people are feeling mm-hmm. them too then that make you feel better but yeah what other things did we cite as off-site <laughs> citing ourselves which other things did we say made us feel lonely so I think you looked at how moving away from home for the first time yeah so basically uh, I mean all of us fear that not just us our parents fear Mm. us moving away from home for the first time as well Uh, basically uh, a lot of a lot of things are involved involved in this obviously you leaving a very nurturing home with your with your parents your your uh, siblings if you have all your friends around that is that is just basically going into the big unknown that it itself causes a lot of stress mm. anxiety and obviously you have expectations you have a lot of expectations as you said before you had great expectations to meeting people uh, with meeting people and so on and and if if you fall short that can cause um, a thing that's called relative deprivation when you're expecting something very big don't get mm-hmm. there sort of uh, gets you down in the dump and therefore um uh you could that could that could cause you f- to feel uh lonely as well and um so generally um generally what we found that people who are who have um who aren't prone to to t- uh, social risk taking would would be mo- would generally be more lonely when okay. when moving away from home as they don't feel comfortable going out and 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 just going to random people and trying to talk to them (laughs) um obviously that is a great factor uh we always find someone but even so um and uh, talking about family uh, it was uh, reported that people who had much more positive images of their family uh togetherness and and them sitting together every night having dinner and and talking uh they were very lonely in the beginning mm-hmm. as they were uh, taken away from their uh, taken out from their comfort zone but they actually had means to cope with uh, their loneliness because they saw the good example mm-hmm. at home they knew what they were looking for and therefore they were able to um, cope with being lonely <coughs> and um, yeah I feel like um, the moving away it's more based more based is probably 
also affected by whether you are a home student or a UK student or an international student. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Because, for example, for me and probably for you, Abel, because when you move from a different culture as well and a culture that's very family-based, like there's no way that your family is going to cut you out ever. It's a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. And peop- they financially support you until you're 30 or something. Um, that's very not common, I think, in the UK. Um, so when you come to a new place from a completely very nurturing, like you said, yeah, um, it can be very stressful. Am I going to make it? Am I going to do it? Especially with the grades as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of pressure uh, to make it because you left home. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the UK to study. Yeah, but what if you don't make it? Yeah. You can just... It's very, it's not very nice to go back empty-handed, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a fear uh, of failure, definitely. Yeah. And as mentioned before, uh, you being a very successful adult, even before mm-hmm. you had already moved out uh, out of your home, you have this sort of a fear of failure mm-hmm. that you just can't can't call your parents and be like, yeah. it's, I'm struggling. Plus, mm-hmm. there's, I feel like what for me is I sometimes when something bad happens... I don't want to call them my parents because they will just get stressed. Yeah, and there's nothing they can and do. There's nothing the they can do. So you're like, okay, yeah. I'm I'm alone. I need to deal with this by myself or perhaps a few friends. <laughs> That's where friends come in um, because they're your family here in uni. So yeah, I looked at some studies which were looking at performing tasks alone because I think we had talked about how. That when you're used to, like you were saying earlier, shopping with your family or Mm -hmm. making coffee with your Mm. family, it's difficult to get used to doing those tasks which you normally have someone to either help you with or even just to be there with you to do Mm. alone. Um, And this there was this study called Moving Away and Reaching Out by Berg et al. from 2016, which looked at how students' transitions out of the home to uni mark a movement toward adulthood, which Mm. although is characterised by increased independence, initiative, and self-regulation, which is great. (laughs) They're all important skills, which are good to have. It also involves extra stress and living without your family for the first time. Mm -hmm. So they found that as students' daily stress increases, their daily loneliness and depression also increases, and their daily happiness decreases. So students who daily communicated and had assurances from their parents were found to be a lot less stressed or felt that that daily loneliness and stress was less of an impact on them. Mm-hmm. So one tip from psychology, if you are feeling lonely and you have a supportive family, is to, even if it's just, I used to find it difficult to schedule, like full phone conversations with my family. Mm-hmm. So we've got a group WhatsApp <laughs> and I just post silly things and my parents sometimes put a picture. Yeah, we have that as well. <laughs> yeah, and having those small assurances, according to the study, should help you feel a little bit better every day definitely yeah and going back to social media we all feel a little better whenever somebody just sort of reconnects with us we get we get yeah. this rush of dopamine when when you just like somebody from your past that you haven't talked to in, in, in such doing? a long time you like well? hey mm-hmm. i heard you're there what's up that's so great that's just it feels really really good and even when your grandma sends the the 95 95th <laughs> picture in, in a 10 minute span uh and it sort of annoys you but it still sort of 
feels good to know that even even though you're far away, even yeah. though you're not even in, in the same country, you can still connect. Yeah, and someone's thinking about yeah, me. It's quite I reassuring. Don't I don't know about you guys, but I it was much worse for me in level one, I would say. Obviously, it's more intense uh, once you the change happens more abrupt, abruptly. Yeah. Word. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then you get used to it by level three, I guess. <laughs> but I think another thing that might make me feel lonely is that um, do people miss me? Yeah, uh, as much as I'm missing them. Yeah, exactly. So that it's a big gap between do I miss this person and I text them and stuff like that. Do they miss me? And if they do, why are they not texting me? Mm. Or why are they not calling me? Or do I even did I even make a difference in their life that I left? Yeah. Something like that. It's I think it's very deep. <laughs> but I feel I feel like that sometimes. And yeah, it's it's tough to think about. Yeah. Tough, yeah. When I feel that way, I try and think about times where people I care about might have felt that way about me mm-hmm. because there are definitely time periods where I don't contact people as much as I should yeah. and I'm not as responsive and I try and remember it doesn't mean in those times that I don't want to talk to those people's less yeah, exactly. or, or I love them any less it's just I yeah. didn't it didn't occur to me because I didn't have a daily reminder of them and that kind of thing yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about level one I actually also looked up how physical spaces can make us feel lonelier mm. so it's actually being considered in new builds and student accommodation because apparently lots of students have given feedback that they want more communal spaces because it makes sense that if there is a communal space more people will be in there at once and yes. so you're more likely to run into people or even if there's a communal space outside of your own room that yes. you can go to and spend time with people it because I don't in first year I was a bit paranoid to be like oh do you want to come back to my room because it's <laughs> kind of strange to people yeah. I didn't know that well sometimes and if it had been like a lounge or something then well, well, would well, be well. like do you want to come back to the lounge uh, but UPP did a report on student living in 2016 and they said 336,000 students are in institution maintained halls and over 130,000 are in private halls and this was in 2015 to 16 so it could be even more now so university accommodation providers have a unique role to play in caring for the student population students who feel they are integrated into their flat with other students are less likely to consider dropping out of university was found by Unite Students in 2016 and they talk about the importance of social facilities, shared kitchens and dining areas and common rooms and supporting the integration and quality of experience and there's a suggestion that students who are satisfied with the communal space and their accommodation are more likely to be satisfied with their life overall so even though it may seem when you first move in like not a big deal to have a lounge or a shared kitchen space it is actually really important for facilitating social interactions and helping people feel less alone and lonely yeah but i've heard of stories (laughs) in halls that people were actually avoiding to go to the kitchen because they didn't want to see their flatmates or something yeah Uh, (laughs) i had that No, we, we all had that. I mean, uh, a lot of people, I'm, I'm as again, I am a first year and I live in, in student halls. And, and a lot of people tell me that we, they have they have flatmates who, who come out to the kitchen, headphones on, barely look people in the yeah, eye. Exactly. That's because they're they're scared. Again, mm-hmm. they're also in a, a very new environment and and it's it's hard to cope with. Yeah. And sometimes it's it, it could help to reach out. But sometimes people are so closed off that it is close to impossible. 
think okay. there's in so sorry sorry the individual differences in how people deal with their things yeah <laughs> going on um for example for me uh, when i'm very uh, hurt for example i need to be alone yeah mm-hmm. but then for for two days and then i need constant distractions but there's people that need the distraction right away that so that depends so people that with the headphones in the kitchen they're just like you know what i just don't want to talk to anyone yeah yeah yeah. I think for me it was about knowing if I wanted to... I had a few movie parties or whatever in the lounge of the student accommodation I was living in and knowing I could do that was really comforting because it's... A room is a very private place yes. and that's great if you are close friends with someone but sometimes it can feel quite intimidating or, you know, not everyone keeps their room to <laughs> a kind of yeah. constant tidy standard. Yep. And so it's nice that to... Yeah, yeah. It's nice to know you have somewhere you can go and still relax and invite people into to spend time together that doesn't cost money because cafes, you have to buy a coffee every time, the mm-hmm. movies you have to pay to go to and it's just not convenient. So I think I agree with the report that student accommodation does have a responsibility to make sure the layout of whatever they're doing creates communal spaces and I know that's something they talked about in the boy door as well about yeah. it's something that's applied a lot in work psychology mm. in creating communal spaces that facilitate creativity or whatever yes. but that also applies to just facilitating social interaction in yeah. general I've read I've actually read somewhere that um, in Singapore they make these new workspaces that it's all glass so that apparently someone did a research and they found that the more people you actually just see people mm-hmm. makes you feel more less lonely and thus more productive more yeah. connected yeah um yeah so it was interesting i just remembered yeah. that on that note actually i looked into a study uh that also looked at uh living on campus this was an american study and um seeing people and ba- basically living in the same environment as uh, where people are are also studying at almost in a, almost all the time uh, could actually improve one's GPA, uh, so the grade point average, mm-hmm. nice. uh, and they found that it could improve it by uh, 0.19 to 0.97. Is that quite uh, a lot? Points that is quite a lot. That yeah. is almost one. That is almost uh, one full grade. Yeah, one mm. full letter grade uh, of improvement just because they were living on campus in the same environment and and basically having having people around them who are in the same situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, that makes sense. One final thing. Yeah. Um, I also looked at, I got really into this environmental psychology <laughs> bit when I was researching, and I looked at how decoration can make you feel mm. less lonely because, again, in student accommodation and in rental properties, there are rules about what you're allowed to decorate. And this study by Martinez in 2019 found, using focus groups in Mexico, that... A dignified standard of living entails more than just having access to housing and includes the ability to produce what is a home rather than just a space to sleep in. And being able to, yeah, being able to imprint personality and feel connected with society are crucial components for dignified standard of living. And these participants stress the importance of their own furnishings and decorations in their living rooms, which fulfilled both a practical function but satisfied, and I thought it was really interesting the wording was, the need for self-identification mm. and connectedness with society. So by being able to decorate their own living rooms, they felt more connected to society, even though it was a personal living space, and that they were able to express themselves and feel comfortable in their home environment. On so. that note, I feel like I totally agree with that because when I moved um, from accommodation to flat, mm-hmm. 
this year that happened. So basically, I felt so much more, <laughs> not Scottish, but <laughs> I felt more home. Mm. So, okay, this is my home now. This is where I live. So I'm part of this community. Yeah. Even though it was just, a, I just moved from accommodation to a flat. But because I was allowed to, I had a living room um, with my flatmate with invite people over for a movie for free yeah <laughs> that's important so and you can decorate however you like and it makes you feel more settled and not just I'm here to study yeah uh, this is where I live now yeah thank you for taking part in part one stay tuned for part two we're, we're going to be talking about loneliness in older people Back in the day when we had the button phones, mm. I think my grandmother, she had a phone and and we would always just shout into it. And my grandmother would shout, would call for my grandfather from like five rooms, uh-huh. uh, like, uh, and, and she would literally like kill the machine. Oh my God. <laughs>